I want to share with you something the Lord put on my heart uh, a couple weeks ago. And while we were teaching this series on deliver us from evil and breaking bad, uh, during my prayer time uh, one morning, as I was worshiping the Lord, uh, he put this on my heart. And uh, a lot of times he puts things on my heart. I, I take it from me. I have to digest and eat it first. And, uh, but he wanted me to share it with you. Is that all right? So I'll share with you some things the Lord showed me uh, for me. And uh, I pray that it will be a blessing to you today and for the rest of your lives. All right, Ephesians 5. We're going to begin reading at verse 15 and we'll end at verse 21. Hallelujah. Y'all have that? All right, let's read together. Ready, read. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many of y'all would agree with that so far? It's interesting that when Paul wrote this, you're talking about the first century. <laughs> and he's saying back then the days are, were evil. And boy, they would be more evil today. Is that right? But the principles remain the same. So whatever he was saying then applies now. And whatever he's going to show us coming up now applies today. Got it? So the days are evil. Now verse 17, let's keep going. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That word dissipation means debauchery or excess. But be filled with, come on. But what? Be filled with the spirit verse 19 through 21 let's go speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another in the fear of God submitting to one another in the fear of God so again verse 18 says do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Today I want to talk on the subject. Uh, he's teaching us here how, how to be filled with the Spirit, uh, to stay filled. That word, when it says be filled, uh, that word be is a present imperative. In other words, it's, it's continual. It's in the present perfect tense. So what it, what it, you can really read it as be being filled. In other words, you can drive a, a car off the lot as pretty and shiny as it may be with all the bells and whistles but uh, if you don't ever go back to the gas station to a gas station and get it refilled uh, you're going to have to park it so when he's saying be filled he's saying continuously be filled in other words you and I we, can, we should be filled once initially but there's a continual filling that we need in order to sustain our lives. So today I want to talk on this subject. How to stay lit. How to stay lit. Some of you, the young folk, they gotta, they use that term a lot, lit. I want to teach on how to, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, it don't matter what you think about when you say lit, I'm gonna show you it applies in this lesson today that you and I are called by Jesus Christ here to stay lit. And so Paul gonna teach us how to stay lit, amen? 
Father, thank you for the word we receive with thanksgiving, this word which is able to save our souls. We pray, Father, that every person in this room has hearing ears and seeing eyes that are both from you. And your word says, blessed are our eyes for they see, blessed are our ears for they hear. So God, bless us in our hearts to receive the word of God and let that God, we will apply it to our lives immediately. We pray, so be it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. All right, let's, let's get to work here. Y'all ready to get to work? Praise God. All right, how to stay lit. Now, I want to show you here that God has made uh, three uh, gifts or three main gifts available to every person on this planet. In other words, God uh, wants every person to have these, these three gifts. Now, we know there are many gifts. All right, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Romans 12 talks about various ministry gifts, Right? Uh, Ephesians 4 talks about the gifts of the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But those are, those gifts are callings by God, or those gifts are, uh, as 1 Corinthians 12 said about the, about the gifts of the Spirit, those are given severally or as he wills. In other words, God has, he wills to give you those gifts. Right? Ephesians 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, uh, he appoints those in the, in the church. So this is by God's choosing. But there are three gifts that are available to every believer that are your choosing. Number one, or I should I say to every, every person on the planet. The first gift that's available to every person on the planet is called the gift of salvation. It's the gift of salvation. Ephesians 2 verse 8 tells me that by the grace of God, through faith we receive the gift of salvation. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So number one is the gift of salvation. Everybody say the gift of salvation. That's available to every single person on this planet. Every person can be saved. God wants every person. In fact, the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? It's his will that every man would be saved. So the gift of salvation. Number two gift is a gift called the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 talks about those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Whereas Amplified says, will reign in life as kings. Glory to God. So when you receive the gift of salvation, then what is immediately placed upon you or what you immediately receive as a secondary gift uh, along with that at the same time is the gift of righteousness. Glory to God. How many of y'all are here you're already saved? Praise God for you. Now how many of you are you already righteous? There should have been the exact same amount of hands going up because when you're saved, you are made 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when we have the gift of salvation, we also have the gift of righteousness. The thing about it is most believers don't know about it. Most believers don't know that the gift of salvation came with a complimentary gift. Got it? The gift of righteousness. So because they don't know they're righteous, they have a sin consciousness. And they live, in li live, live this life uh, as a, um, I'm just an old sinner. When they've received Jesus Christ already. And so because of that, when they, if they, if they get into sin, they say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner. I'm still struggling. I'm still working to overcome. 
But that's not, that's not how we're supposed to operate. Because we've been given the gift of righteousness. And if you have the gift of righteousness, that righteousness now, uh, now uh, allows you to, uh, to uh, exercise holiness. You can't have holiness without righteousness. I don't mean to get too deep into that. But I can go, I can go a lot deeper into that. Okay? Praise God. The Bible says through righteousness we perfect holiness. So people who are trying to be holy without understanding their righteousness, uh, they're, they're working religion as opposed to righteousness. Y'all got it? All right. So what was the first gift? Salvation. The salvation. What was the second gift? All right, the third gift that is not available to any person but available to the, those who receive the gift of salvation is called the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Bible talks about that after you and I, uh, when we repent and be baptized uh, for the mission of sins, the Bible says you, we, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the gift of the Holy Spirit in the new King James. I grew up on King James. So y'all excuse me if I use a lot of King James terms. I still think in, in King James. <laughs> Glory to God. So we will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I, I thought you might be a little more excited about that. Because see, the gift of the Holy Ghost is the seal that guarantees uh, your inheritance. It, the, the Holy Ghost is the preserver of your soul. So people who, now watch this, you can, you can receive the gift at the same time as salvation. Well, doesn't everybody who gets saved have the Holy Ghost? No. Acts 19, Paul asked the people at, at Ephesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Got it? Now you can. But you don't necessarily do that. All right, this a little too deep for a wind for a Sunday morning. All right. So people who don't uh, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost try to live out their salvation or righteous life by willpower. And I've already declared to you, your will is not that powerful. Am I right about it? Nobody's will is that powerful. Glory to God. Given the right situation, Deke, put under the right pressure, your will will, uh, will give in. Deke and I were having a, a, a very lively discussion this morning about when Jesus had the disciples there in the garden. He had told them, hey, pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And he was trying to get a little understanding of that and you know, I just let him know that he was talking about the, the, the pressure that was about to hit their life. He wasn't talking about pray so you don't start drinking and cussing and smoking. He's talking about pray that you don't enter this temptation when the enemy comes here and you don't flake out on me because they had all said, hey, we're not going to leave you. And he said, y'all going to leave me. And they were talking big and bad until the pressure hits. Until once the pressure hit, they all scattered and left them standing there. The Bible said, D, one man left, left his clothes. He let, ran, ran away naked. Boom. Why? He already told me, he said, said, pray because the spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So your will is not enough 
to keep you. You need the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Number one, gift. Salvation. Number two, gift. Number three, gift. Okay, now I told you this can happen at the time you get born again or it can happen after. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, please. Acts 10. I want to read this here. Acts 10. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 34. Y'all have a little time right now. Glory to God. Nobody has to cook today. Y'all had enough food yesterday. <laughs> Acts 10. <laughs> Glory to God. Acts 10, verse 34. Y'all have it? Says then Peter, now I, I wanna, I'm trying to show you that this can happen simultaneously. In other words, receiving this gift, listen to me, receiving this gift of the Holy Ghost can be a subsequent gift or a simultaneous gift. Subsequent means you get saved and then at some time later you get filled with the Holy Ghost or it can be simultaneous which means the moment you get saved, boom, you, get the, you receive the Holy Ghost as well. It depends on how hungry and thirsty you are. And what somebody's telling you. All right? What you have the faith for. Okay, so watch. We're going to see here a, a, a simultaneous filling. Watch this, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. He's preaching here. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, man. There's all kind of theology up in here. He's preaching the most, the most uh, concise message of the gospel recorded in the Bible. He says that word which you know, he said that, that word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So he's preaching the life and ministry of Jesus. Then he goes on, now he's going to preach his death and resurrection. He says, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. He's preaching the cross here. But he doesn't stop at the cross. Because early, right? Verse uh, uh, 40, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. So he's preached the life, he's preached the death, and he's preached the resurrection of Jesus. All in those few couple verses right there. Verse 41, not to all people. But to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever, here it is, here, here's, here's the pitch, here's the pitch right here. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. He's making a pitch to, for them to receive Jesus Christ right here. Now watch, verse 44. While Peter was sp still speaking these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon all those who heard the word. Which means that as they're hearing it, they're believing the message. And as they believe the message, God went all the way with them because they were hungry and thirsty for this. 
They had gathered all around for this meeting here. They called their own meeting to hear the word. Hallelujah. And what happened when Peter began to preach the word of God to them? The Holy Ghost fell on them upon all those who heard these words. Oh, that it might be the same today in 2019 in the church and wherever you go that while you're still speaking words to somebody who's hungry and thirsty for the word of God that the Holy Ghost himself falls upon all those who hear the word. Watch this, verse 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How do they know the gift? How do they know the gift had been poured? Now, you've got to answer this question for all the Baptists in the house. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew. That was the evidence. Clearer that they had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because your Bible says for. That means because. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Of the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. I bet they did. <laughs> something crazy just happened. Something supernatural just happened to them. You got it. So we read that we saw earlier, Luke, uh, sorry, Acts 2.38 that said, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here, these people repented and received the Holy Ghost and then they were baptized. So Acts 2.38 for all the apostolics in the house was not giving a formula a systematic formula that you have to stick to this, this is how it happens. It's just showing that all those things go together. Repentance, baptism, being filled with the Holy Ghost, all three of them go together. It doesn't matter what order they come in. Glory to God. All right. All right. Now, I'm going to keep teaching here. I probably won't finish, but I'll get as far as you let me get today. Because what I want you to understand here is that something, how many of y'all have the gift of the Holy Ghost already? I just know that. All right. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'm excited I have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Every day I get up, I'm excited I have the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. That's the most precious gift I could ever receive is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What about salvation? Well, salvation was good. I was saved because of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> right? I understand righteousness because of the Holy Ghost. But I'm also kept because of the Holy Ghost. Because if I had to keep myself, come on now. So something super, very supernatural happens to you and me when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. Something happens is that uh, our divine nature begins to come out. We begin to change. You, you, can't, you can't receive the Holy Ghost and nothing change. So anybody who tells you, oh, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost and their life hasn't changed, they're lying to you. Because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of the living God himself. And if God fills you, something has to change. 
We used to say it this way, Elder Baker, something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. So if the Holy Ghost himself, the Holy Ghost, not it, because he's not an it. If the Holy Ghost himself comes to live on the inside of you, something has a change. You got it? As a matter of fact, if I came and lived in your house, your house would change. If I came and lived in your house and you let me run everything in your house, I guarantee your house will change. So if the Holy Ghost comes and lives on the inside of me, and I let him run my life, everything has to change. Will you agree with that? Okay, now I want, I want to show you an example of that. In, in 1 Samuel, please, 1 Samuel 10, 1 Samuel 10, <clears throat> hallelujah. 1 Samuel 10, and uh, verse 5. What's happening here is that uh, Israel has demanded to have a king like everybody else, and although God didn't want them to have a king, uh, he's going to uh, yield to them and let them have, have a king. He wasn't surprised by the request in, in either. Okay? So they're going to have a king. And Samuel, it's Samuel's job to anoint this king. And Samuel finds a guy named Saul. That's who God told him was going to be. And so Samuel's going to tell Saul things that are going to happen to him as a matter of proof that he's God's chosen one to be king. You got it? So let's pick this story up. In verse 5, verse 5, <clears throat> it says, after that, you shall come to the hill of God. This is Samuel the prophet talking to Saul, the future king. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of who? Prophets, Prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them and they will be prophesying. Here, here is the word of knowledge working in Samuel. Samuel didn't orchestrate this. God is telling him by the word of knowledge. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit operate in the Old Testament too. This is what he's going to see. Now watch this, verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Who's going to come upon him? And you will prophesy with them. And watch this last line. And be turned into another man. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to be turned into another man. In other words, something's going to so radically change on the inside of you that you're going to do something you've never done. You're going to prophesy. You never prophesied. You want to be turned into somebody totally different. So, see, it doesn't matter if you are a murderer, a rapist, a liar, a thief, a gambler, a hoe. It doesn't matter what it was. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you yield to him, you'll be turned into somebody else. Glory to God. Ask me how I know. Because when the Holy Ghost came upon me, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You know what you used to do. You know how you used to be. You know yourself. And if it were not for the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't be sitting in church this Sunday morning. You would have been just making your way home from the club. And let it be, verse 7, when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion of man's, for God is with you. 
When these things happen, do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you get turned into somebody different. Do whatever he tells you to do. You got it. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you, are, you become somebody different. Can I give you further proof of that? Turn to the book of Judges, please. Judges 14. You're in 1 Samuel. Go back towards the front of the book. Judges 14. How many of y'all remember this guy named Samson? Glory to God. Y'all okay? Samson. Now, every time you get a picture of Samson in your mind or somebody's drawn some kind of artist sketch of Samson, you see some Lou Ferrigno kind of guy. You see some uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of guy. Just this muscle bound, just muscles in his neck. I mean, you see muscles everywhere because that's what you imagine. That's what Samson was. But the Bible nowhere in the scripture ever depicts Samson as being some muscle bound, uh, thickalicious guy. It's just a, he's just a regular guy. He, he might have been, he, you know, he, he might have been some scrawny guy. He had to be, he had to be no, he had to have no chiseling about him at all. No cuts, no features about it at all because the Bible says that the Philistines kept asking him, where does your strength come from? If he's some muscle guy, they wouldn't be asking him, where does your strength come from? Got it? And so you and I, I think we've been taught that. We understand that. That it wasn't some physical attribute. But then in our uh, religious selves, we also have made the, the error of thinking, well, it's because of his hair. Because remember when he told Delilah it was his hair, they cut the hair off, he lost his strength. And we made his hair his strength. But that's not truth either. Oh, you about to learn something right now, see there? You're like, I with you so far. We're going to learn something either. No, because the hair was not where his strength lied. The hair was was. Be, the, his, his hairstyle was a evidence of his lifestyle. In other words, he had a Nazarite vow upon his life. When he was in his mother's womb, his mother's mother, uh, God told his mother, make sure you don't drink any uh, alcohol of any kind. When, when he's born, don't shave his head. He is going to be a Nazarite unto me for his whole life. So his, his hairstyle was a sign of his lifestyle, a Nazarite lifestyle. And it was that lifestyle of obedience that allowed the strength to come. And I'll prove it to you right from the scripture. In Judges chapter 14, verse 5. Are you there? Yes, sir. It says, so Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. Can y'all see that? Can you imagine what you would have done, boy, if a young lion showed up right next to you, turned the corner, and a young lion came upon you roaring? Well, don't worry, Samson, you got them big muscles. No. Don't worry, Samson, you got that long hair. No. Watch verse 6. And the spirit. Oh, you see it. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand. So it wasn't the muscles and it wasn't the locks 
it was the Holy Ghost that came on him and turned him into another man. Drop down, please, to verse 19. Verse 19, the Philistines are toying with him. The Philistines are trying to find out where you get your strength from. They keep toying. They mess with, with, uh, with his life. And verse 19, watch this. Verse 19 says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, here it is again, and he went down to Ascalon and killed 30 of their men, took their, took their apparel, gave the change of clothing to those who explained the riddle, so his anger was aroused and went back up to his father's house. So he went back and destroyed 30 men because the Holy Ghost came upon him. Got it? Now, what happens? Eventually he tells a secret because he kept laying his head in Delilah's lap. She kept stroking his hair with her fingers. And finally he gave up the goods. And he said, it's in my hair. He said, it's in my hair. That's what he said. That was wrong. He did not give the Holy Ghost the Spirit of God credit. How come Samson died? How come Samson lost his eyes before he died? Because he gave the credit to his hair. Got it? So what they do, they come cut his hair off, and all of it, and then, then the Bible said the Philist, she called the Philistines, come on in here, he cut his hair off. And he cut his hair off, and he jumped up. He's about to go do some stuff, but the Bible says he did not realize that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. It didn't say he didn't realize his hair was gone. He didn't know the Holy Ghost had left him. So then they defeated him. They took him, put him in chains. The Bible says they gouged his eyes out. And they, they made them, they, they, they will make him entertain them, entertain all the people. You got it? Later on, I just finished the story. Later on, the Bible says, but his hair grew back. His hair grew back. He didn't have any strength, though, out of, out of that. So in his final act, when he, he said, Lord, help me. Give me one last thing I can do. And the Lord came upon him again. And this time, he pushed those pillars. The temple fell. He destroyed 3,000 people up and himself at the same time. What am I saying? Your power ain't in your muscles. Your power ain't in your, ain't in your, your hair. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Y'all getting this here? All right. So I want to go into this here again. I want to get to uh, how to stay lit. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you get lit. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me, y'all. Are y'all y'all too old for this message? When you get lit, you 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 can hear and see, hear and say things, and see and do things beyond normal. Now, anybody you've ever been lit before? Y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> 
Just look straight ahead. Now, you ain't got to. I'm not asking you to testify. Take it as a memory lane. I'm talking about if you've ever been lit, you can hear and you'll say things and you'll see and you'll do things that you wouldn't do normally. And it's the exact same way with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Glory to God. Um, I want to define lit for all the intellectuals. Define lit. Lit is an adjective. Primary meaning means to be illuminated. Illuminated. So you, you lit a light. You lit a candle. You, you lit a room up. You lit a room up. Now, when you read these definitions, I want you to think Holy Ghost. Illuminated. Lit up a room. Turn on your light. The Bible says the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching the innermost parts of the belly. So when you and I get filled with the Holy Ghost, we light up on the inside. Then it says, having been ignited, like you lit a match, you lit a torch, you lit a, 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 a fire. When you and I get born again and the Holy Ghost comes upon us, comes in us, a fire is supposed to burn on the inside of us. Don't let folk keep telling you they got the Holy Ghost and there's no fire. Don't let folk tell you they have the Holy Ghost and you don't ever notice any fire. When the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 1, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto, unto them cloven tongues as of fire. The Holy Ghost is always emblematic of, uh, symbolized by fire. Yes, sir. And one sat upon each, each and every one of them. Mm -hmm. And they began to speak with other tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. Right. So illuminated, but also to be uh, ignited. Yeah. Yes, so when the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of you, you get ignited. Some of y'all are just sitting here like you just, you forgot, you forgot. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't mean when I got saved. I, I, didn't, I didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost when I first got saved. I was happy. I knew something had happened in me, but when I finally got filled with the Holy Ghost, oh, Jesus. Everything changed. I, I couldn't stop crying. <laughs> Have you forgotten about that day? Have you forgotten about that moment when that happened? Has it happened to you actually before? Having been ignited, burning, burning. So something ought to be burning inside you. Hallelujah. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Then here's one you know. Drunk or intoxicated. <laughs> Drunk or intoxicated. 
Americans spend over $37 billion every year on beer. I, I, I didn't include wine. I didn't include coolers. I didn't include vodka. I didn't include gin. I didn't include, what's some other stuff y'all drink? Uh, hard lemonade. I didn't include, uh, I didn't, this is just beer. $37 billion a year in America on beer. Malt liquor. A quart from the corner store. Paper bag. Why? 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 Because they want to be lit. I need you to see this here. Because they want to be lit. We've developed a strong beer culture in our city. Breweries opening up everywhere. Beer in this, beer in that. Drinking this, drinking that. Every, you can't go to a restaurant where beer is not the feature, where alcohol isn't just pouring like, like a river because everybody wants to be lit. Nobody can just go and eat a steak and potato. They, they got to have a steak and potato and beer. They can't eat the burger and fries. You can't just have wings. You got to have that and a beer. Why? Because you want to be lit. You want to you feel, you, there's, there's a certain feeling you're trying to get. Some of y'all are here, you're being indicted, you don't, you better work it. You're, you're, you, you, there's something you, you want to feel. I, I, I don't want to feel normal. I don't want to feel my normal stuff. I want to I I I knock off this edge. I want to, I want to. And my job is explaining to you that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, he knocks off the edge. He, you feel abnormal. You feel unusual. You hear things and you say things. You see things and you do things that are totally abnormal when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You ain't got to spend $37 billion on beer. He's a gift. Is a gift. So, uh, drunk or intoxicated. People sometimes think there's very varying levels of intoxication. You can be really drunk, or you can be just have a what a buzz. Either way, you're lit. drugs. They, they, now, what, what I have here so far up through drugs, they, this is dictionary definition. I pulled this right out of the dictionaries. High on drugs. Americans spend this is as of 2010. This is the most recent number. This is 2019. $100 billion a year on drugs. And I, I put where I pulled this stat from, the, the, the website, if you want to look it up, it's called addicted.com. And the stats tell us about 70, listen to this, 75, I think it was, percent of this is marijuana. Why? I, I want to feel good. 
I just want to, I just want to chill. I just want to, I just want to relax. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't create until my creative juices don't flow until I get a little, till I get lit. I, I can't I can't really rest after a long day till I now I need it to get over my pain. I got pain in my knee and I just I gotta I gotta as if as if the as if the weed is fixing the pain. It's not fixing the pain. It's just it's just blocking the sensor. It's still there, you just can't feel it because you're thinking what you wouldn't normally think. Now we have the Holy Ghost who will not just <laughs> block the feeling of the pain. He'll heal the issue that's caused the pain in the first place. But now in our nation we're so uh, everybody's really just they're they giving all kind of reasons for every kind of reason they can every kind of reason not a dog's on CBD oil and the cat's on CBD oil why because the dog just want to be lit himself but he feels like another man and yet the Bible says that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you you'll be turned into another man I know for a fact he can make it where you don't feel any pain My wife will tell you there are issues that I, the physical things that I have been battling in my in my physical body for quite some time. The issues that are that are presently there, I'm still believing God for my manifestation of my healing. But she'll tell you when I preach, I don't feel nothing because the anointing always. It don't matter whether you hallelujah or nothing. The anointing on me is always so strong. I don't feel nothing. Why? Wow, that's the Holy Ghost. I just I don't want to feel nothing. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get lit. Tell your neighbor you ought to just get lit. Go back to that definition. Go back to the definition, please. The definition. It says high on drugs. What's this slang term? This is a slang term that's come now because of the rap industry. A slang term means exciting and excellent. Like that party I went to last night was lit. How many of y'all ever heard that? You don't want to go to a party and, and, and it ain't lit. Went to a concert and it's lit. If, if church ain't lit, I don't want to go to church because it ain't lit. Church ain't lit. 
It ain't exciting. It ain't lit. Man, that wedding was lit. Ooh, you hear kids saying all the time, that was lit. What they're saying is, is it's exciting. You look for the party every weekend. Starting on Wednesday, really. Come on now. I was never that guy, but as a barber, I knew all those guys because I had to cut their half of the party. Starting Wednesday, man. Like they gotta work Thursday and Friday morning, but they gonna go to that party. They trying to find, they trying to go to where it's lit. And they knew that the word would travel, Chris, as the witch club was the most lit. Remember Uptown 21? Some of y'all remember Galaxy. Some of y'all remember Scat 34. Some of y'all old heads. Scat 34. What you say, not Chuck? That's all we went that, that, went to that Scat 34, not Chuck. So, <laughs> go to that Ice number two. Y'all, some of y'all don't remember Ice number two. Why? They're, they're looking for what's lit. But, I'm, uh, uh, but help me out. Help me out, Deacon Tyrone. Tell me if this is right. Well, he went to a party goer. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who the party goers were. I can't really tell. Chris, tell me this. Am I right about this? The real partiers got lit before the Help me out. Help me out. The real partiers didn't wait till they got to the party to get lit. They got lit before the party. So when they showed up to the party, they were already lit. So it didn't matter if the party was really lit or not, they were already lit. And if you had a bunch of lit people come to a party, the party became automatically lit because everybody came already lit. If you would come to church, already lit then church would always be lit because I don't wait till I come here to get lit I already got lit before I showed up I'm already lit I'm already lit I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need the praise team to get me lit I don't need the music to get me lit I don't need the preacher to get me lit Ralph I already came lit. I started sipping early this morning. I started sipping up the new wine of the Holy Ghost. I've been sipping all week. I've been dripping all week. I've been drinking all week. I've been tagging. I've been smoking up the most high. All week long, I'm already lit. High five three people. Tell them I'm already lit. I'm already lit. Tell them I came here lit. I ain't got to come and get lit. I come lit every time I come in the house. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I came running. I came excited. It's going to be lit because I'm already lit. Some folk, some folk, First thing they wake up in the morning, they got to hit a joint. But some folk, first thing they wake up in the morning, got to hit a praise. Pop, pop, I got to praise you, Lord. 
You've been so good. I will sing of your mercies in the morning. I will sing of your faithfulness at night. God, I'm ready to get lit this morning. God, I can't hardly wait to get into your presence right here at my house. And oh, when we all get together, what a time, what a time, what a time. Because I'm lit, and you lit, and she lit, and he lit. And when we get together, we just one big old lit party. Sit down. I'm already high. I'm already drunk. I'm already burning. I've already been ignited. I've already been illuminated. People make the grave mistake of judging the church or the service based on how well you lit me up. When it's your responsibility to get lit and stay lit. Because I want to prove you today that if you stay lit, you ain't got to get lit. And Paul's giving us a way how to stay lit. Because I'm going to tell you something. When people get lit in the world, eventually you're high, you come back down. Am I right about it? The thing about it, you start off on something a little easy. You start off on a little marijuana. Start on a little marijuana because... And when, when you get that first hit of your marijuana, you're like, ooh. Well, I felt some kind of way about that. But eventually, you don't feel that way anymore because your body begins to adjust to it physiologically. And so you got to smoke more and more and rub it on you and do whatever, find out a way to get it everywhere you want, everywhere you can get it because you're trying to look for that original high that you can never get again. So then you got to find a different drug. You hit a molly, throw a molly in there with it. And so then, because you're trying to look for that, a different high. So the molly gives you a different feeling. I ain't never felt that before when I, oh, man, hit that molly, man. And then what happens? Oh, you discover that. But eventually, you, you keep doing that, and then that. Now you got to add some Oxycontin in there. And before you know it, you get some of that white powder. That little white lady, you know, they call her the white lady. Y'all too young for that. They call it the white lady. That cocaine. You got to. And that initial. Whoa. And then all of a sudden, eventually that just don't do it anymore. Before, before you know it, you on meth or you on crack cocaine. Because you're trying to find that, that original high. And the way it's designed, you can never find it. You can't find it. But the Holy Ghost, you and I can go higher, subarasata, and higher, and higher, and higher, and your high never has to come down when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. This is the most high. The most high. 
You get drunk, you get intoxicated eventually. Sober up. You have a little hangover. Eventually you sober up. You go to a lit party. Eventually the party dies down. Eventually, eventually it's going to end. The party's going to end. It's going to end. But on the day of Pentecost, a lit party started, and it ain't ended yet. We are in an eternal Holy Ghost party that never has any ending. Problem with most folks is they keep going to the wrong party. They need to come over here to a Holy Ghost party. Because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. And a Holy Ghost party don't stop. <laughs> it's amazing how many people ask me, oh, you still go to church? Still go to church. See, the problem is you were going to church. I was going to a party. That's your problem. You was going to church on Sundays. I was going to a party. And the party went to my house. You ever, you, ever, you ever been to a party and when the party, you know, they run out of all the chicken wings and the beer and everything, and they say, all right, time's up, party's over. You know, I say, no, hey. After party. I have after parties every day with Jesus. Every day with Jesus. <laughs> I know my neighbors think I'm crazy, but that's all right. Party over here? See, and if you'd really, really allow the Holy Ghost to uh, light you up to where you lit, lit, where you holy lit, you don't ever want to come down. And you don't ever have to come down. Paul said, be filled. Don't come down off your high. Y'all all right? Thank you, Lord. I pulled this stat, too. I thought this, this was interesting. We're going to ride along with that. 37 billion a year on beer. 100, million, 100 billion a year on drugs as of 2010. I also saw this from Forbes magazine. They said last year, this is last year, 2018. Americans, America's 10 biggest nightclubs, the 10 biggest nightclubs in America, earn $550 million. No, that's, that's the 10. That's just 10. The 10 biggest earn, Gershwin, you, you understand this numbers, $550 million, that's $55 million a club. So I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> Why? Because people want to go where it's lit. They're trying to escape their reality. And people will pay good money to be lit, to go where it's lit, to be around other lit people. Boy, this is good right here. So look back at Ephesians 5 real quick, please. 
Because Paul, in his writing, is telling us something here. He started, well, he starts early, but we pick it up in verse 15. Which says, see then that you walk carefully. Circumspectly means carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Why? Redeeming, take advantage of the time. Because the days we live in are evil. Verse 17, therefore, because the days are evil, don't you be unwise. Don't be a fool. But understand, learn, and discover what the will of the Lord is. Watch verse 18. He tells a do not here, another do not. He says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. That word dissipation again means excess, debauchery, okay? It's, 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 it's being in that drunken state, okay? He says, so don't do that, but be filled. Yeah, here, this is the alternative. But be filled. In other words, don't be filled with wine. Y'all quiet. But be filled with the Spirit. And he says, remember he says in verse 17, don't be unwise. So to be drunk is unwise. In fact, Proverbs 20 and verse 1 says, a wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. He that drinks it or is led astray by it is unwise. New King James, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. You're fussing all the time and fighting all the time. It, 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 it changes you. Yeah, have, have y'all been following the Me Too movement? Not following it, but you've seen what's been going on. Have you checked in most of those cases somebody was drunk or high? Maybe y'all have it. The most of those cases you see somebody they drunk or high. Because you get drunk, you get high, you, you all outside of yourself. You're doing stuff like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe I was doing that. Somebody got you on video now. That was you? Yeah, that, oh, man, I didn't know that was me. So he said, he said that's foolish. Got it? So back in Ephesians 5, 17, don't be unwise. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine, which, in which is dissipation. That's, that's it's, it's foolishness. But here's the wise part. Be filled with the Spirit. Glory to God. Be being filled, or we could, I wrote in my Bible, refilled. So constantly be refilled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just, just came to my mind here at, at my house. I have a, a, a grill, and uh, it's a double grill. One side of the grill is charcoal. One side of the grill is, is propane. And, uh, you know, charcoal, uh, you know if you have charcoal or not. But propane, because it's gas, you can't see it. And you don't know you're out until you hit that switch and your grill never heats up. There's no flame. You don't know you're out until you need it. So to, to, to make sure that that doesn't happen to us, you make sure you go and you get a refill. You can go and just, today, just exchange canisters, right? 
So you have to make sure that you uh, refill. When you're driving your car, driving your car, don't, don't drive your car down to an eighth of a tank and, you know, come on now. If you want to make sure you never run out, you know the secret of never running out? Is when you get back down to a half tank, is fill it back up. My wife will tell you, when we're driving on, on, the, on the highway, we're traveling somewhere, I don't get below a half a tank. Have a tank, Andre, we're going to fill that thing back up because we'll make sure we don't get out there on Alligator Alley somewhere and we're stuck. Because, you know, you don't want to need it and not have it. You'd rather have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Got it? So he tells us here, uh, be filled or be refilled. Constantly be refilled with the Spirit. Or he's telling us uh, how to stay lit. Tell your neighbor, pastor's going to tell us how to stay lit. Now, when you go home and tell your cousin all them, what's your pastor preach about today? Oh, how to stay lit. <laughs> what? <laughs> so he gives then four things. I may not get to them all today, but I'm going to tell you. He lays it out so, so beautifully to us. Four keys to stand lit. Okay. Right there in the text. In fact, I want you to hold your finger there. And, well, you don't have to turn. Media, help me out. Media, would you put up Colossians 3, 15 through 17, please? We'll read it on the screen. Colossians 3, verse 15 through 17, because this is a companion text to, to what Paul writes here. Notice Paul says here, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. That's the key right there. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Please, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now keep those things in mind and let's look at what Paul says here in Ephesians. Okay? So, how do I... Stay lit, Jay. How do I stay lit? That's what, Jay, you want to know. Jay, you came all the way here to find out, how do I stay lit? Because I want to be lit. <laughs> Number one, public exhortation. Public exhortation. It says here, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs. So one key Paul gives here on how to stay lit is public exhortation. It's gathering together with the saints, gathering together with other believers, and exhorting each other. My goodness. It's, it's tragic how many people in the body of Christ have resolved that I don't need church, I don't need any kind of fellowship, I can do well by myself, and yet you find those people are the ones who are always up and down and up and down. They are hot and cold and hot and cold. And God said in Revelation 3, he said, I, he said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're, you're neither hot nor cold, I'll spew you out of my mouth, you're lukewarm. So God much rather you and I be hot. He don't want us cold. We can tell you that. But he wants us to be hot for him. And so people who uh, have an isolationist uh, theology. Well, they can isolate themselves. I don't need to go to church today. 
I'll take this month off or this week off or, you know, I don't need to gather around other saints. I don't believe it's just me and the Lord by myself. You are missing Paul's first key to staying lit. So the first key to staying lit is to speak to one another in Psalms. Come on. Hymns and Give me that verse 19, please, in the easy-to-read version, please. Uh, uh, Ephesians 5, 19, in the easy-to-read version. Watch this. Glory to God. Glory to God. Easy-to-read version. I, I believe we have that one. And uh, Ephesians 5 and verse 19. Glory to God. They'll put it up here. They'll put it up. Keep in mind what it says here. You must fellowship with other spiritual people. Because he says here, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So I got to make sure I'm around other spiritual people. I got to be around light, precious faith. People of like kind and quality because we're going to speak to each other. Remember, this is public exhortation. That word exhortation is, is a strong encouragement. It's to encourage strongly. And he says we do this in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now I want you to look, look back here, again, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, because one, one of the things that if you get around the wrong people, you make the mistake of sharing gossip. Sharing news. Sharing jokes. Right? You get around the world, they're going to tell you the latest gossip, latest news, latest joke. And yet the Bible tells us as believers, if you want to stay encouraged or encourage each other, you're going to do it by speaking to each other in three things. Psalms. Well, where am I going to get Psalms from? There's a whole book. A whole book of them. Psalms. That means when I come to you, I ought to come to you with a psalm. Hey, let's talk about this psalm. Hymns. Let's sing a hymn. Now, I know y'all thinking, this, this, we would sound crazy doing this to each other. Yep, and that's probably why we're like this. Because we've never learned how to do this number one component of staying lit. He says, how you going to stay lit is you're going to speak to each other this way. I don't need to talk about your family. Good, your family doing good, your auntie them, so forth. Okay, good. Let's, let's, let's talk about a song. Um, when you use charcoal on your grill, if you let one charcoal get off by itself, what happens to it? It burns out. But that same charcoal, if it stays with the group, it'll catch on fire. Every one of us are just like that one little charcoal. We get off by ourselves, away from other lit people, and you die off. You die off. It's a trick of the enemy to get you to, to disconnect yourself from other believers. And that's a popular theology today. I don't need all that. We, we, we're, all, we're all online church people. Well, that's, that's great. That's great. That's great. But you can't do this online. You can't stay lit online. Tell the truth. You ain't really watching the whole time anyway. We, we, are, we, we can pull the numbers. We, we, on our YouTube channel, we can pull the exact stats and know how long people are actually watching. Not how long individuals are watching, but we know the average watch time. 
And y'all know I'm preaching an hour and a half. The average watch time is 30 minutes, 37 minutes. I'm watching from home, Pastor. I'm listening. I'm watching. You ain't watching nothing. You in the bathroom. You on your cell phone. You doing everything else but actually watching. I understand why I just feel so blah. Because you're not staying around other lit people. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts 20, verse 32, that the word of God's grace is able to build you up. So when you and I speak to each other with the word, we share the word, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, we are exhorting each other. We are building each other up. Glory to God. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Not, not, I'm going to just mess with y'all. Not these old slew-footed contemporary gospel songs. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Most of this music is just bleh. I'm going to mess with y'all because I already got my gift. I already got my little father's gift. I can tell it. I can tell it. I timed it today. Praise the word today was 31 minutes. 19 of those minutes we were singing about us. I timed it. I was watching from the back. I timed it. The first 12 minutes of praise the worship we were singing about us. And the last six minutes we were singing about us. That's why I was flat. Because you cannot enter into a spiritual realm singing about you. You'll never get there. You'll never get there. Psalms, hymns, spiritual, not emotional, spiritual. Nineteen out of thirty-one minutes singing about us. You'll never get into a spiritual realm. We got to fix that. We got to fix that. I told my wife the other day, I was, I was it, it, you know, I, I, when I'm at home praising, worshiping God, I, I'll grab different, uh, different musicians and artists, and I'm going, you know, when I wake up in the morning, there's always already a song in my heart. Okay, I'll grab that album. I'm going to praise God to that this morning. I'm going to be out there praising God. And so one day, I, this song came to my heart, and it was a, uh, I hate to call the name of this guy, but uh, he, his album. And, and so I said, I'm going to go find an album. And I listened. It's a two-disc album, Singing in Africa. And I said, okay, this, I know this is going to be great worship. So I got there, and I turned the first song on, and I start. All right, next. 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 I'm like, out of like 40 songs, were none of them spiritual? Because they were talking to God. They're talking about us. Y'all mad, but I got my gift. And taking my gift back. See, see, he's talking about how to stay lit. And most times, people in the body of Christ are going through emotional roller coasters. Emotional roller coasters. I feel great today, and I don't know why I feel like this. Because we're not in Psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs. And it tells us to tell this to each other. Get together with Barbara. Let's sing a song. Oh, Jesus. 
Glory to God, 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 glory to God. In Matthew 25, verse 8, the Bible tells a story. Jesus tells a story about, about ten virgins. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. The problem with the foolish virgins, the Bible said, uh, they, they ran out of the oil when they got ready to trim their, their lamps. And they said in Matthew 25, verse 8, they said, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. We were lit, and now we're not lit anymore. Why were they not lit? Because they ran out of oil. They didn't bring any oil. They didn't bring their own anointing. You've got to carry your own oil, ladies and gentlemen. You can't wait on somebody else to bring oil for you. You can't borrow somebody else's anointing. You can't borrow somebody else's oil. You got to have your own oil. You got to have your own anointing for yourself when you're at school and when you're at work and when you're at home and when you're in the neighborhood. Well, you got to have your own oil. Tell your neighbor, get your own oil. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up. In order to do what? In order to do what? Stir up love and good works. So we're considering each other to stir each other up, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some folk are doing today. They keep skipping church all the time, but exhorting one another. So that word exhorting is to stir up. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I need you to be lit. I need you to be lit, lit, lit. I need when you blow into this breathalyzer here, they just know. When you breathe your breath, it's Holy Ghost coming out. You're not breathing out cruelty. You're not breathing out frustration. You're not breathing out depression. You're not breathing out confusion. You're not breathing out strife. You're breathing out anointing. You're breathing out Holy Ghost power. You, oh my God. You're breathing out the word of God. You're bringing out inspiration. You're breathing out something that's on the inside of you. Oh Jesus. I see you to check. Everybody need a breathalyzer. When you blow into this machine, what, what does it register? So number one key here is public exhortation. We got to encourage and exhort each other with songs. You don't, don't encourage me with your, your story about how your auntie going through the same thing. No, encourage me with the songs. Encourage me with the songs and hymns and don't don't encourage me with what all the hell breaking out of your job That ain't gonna help me right now. Let's encourage each other with the songs and I don't care what the Kardashians doing I don't care what James Harden doing. I don't care what LeBron doing. I don't care what none of them jokers doing that ain't helping my life I'm not picking on them y'all understand that I'm talking about us who we talk so much about all that stuff and seldom if ever, seldom if ever when we're together, talk about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So if I can change that, I'll stay lit. I'm going to stay high in the Holy Ghost. That means you got to stay around people who are lit. 
You got to fellowship with other people who are lit. Don't keep fellowship with folk who they don't, they don't even know how to, how to hold a liquor. They, 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 they. Come on, not, can I, can I talk about it. Alcoholics like to be around alcoholics. If you don't drink, folk who do drink when they go to, go to uh, lunch, they don't want to go to lunch with you because you make them uncomfortable by you not drinking. They'll just cut you off. They won't call you no more. You're going to lunch. Every Sunday for us ought to be happy hour. Every Wednesday for us ought to be happy hour. Glory to God. Every time we get together, ought to be just happy hour. Small groups ought to be happy hour. Where you going, small group? No, I'm going to happy hour. Come on now. So number one was what? Number two. Number two, stay in the same verse, please. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Then he says, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So number two is personal worship. Personal. So there's public exhortation. But if you want to stay lit, baby, <laughs> you need some personal. Everybody say personal worship. He says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, understand why. Every believer needs personal worship, which is free form. You understand this? Our praise team is wonderful. They, they, they do a good job. But they have a set. But when you by yourself, ain't no set. In general praise and worship time, you know everywhere you go in the country, no matter where you go in the world, it's going to be generally one fast, one medium, and one slow. Or two fast, one It's just general. That's just a general... That's like the standard operating procedure for praise and worship worldwide. Not good, not bad, that's just what it is. But when it's just you by yourself, you can start with a slow. You can pick it up the fast, you know what I'm saying? You can go back to a slow. You can stop and pray. Stop and just talk to the Lord. Stop and read your word. I just, I, when I'm out there, I'm just, I'll be praising. I'll stop, boom, pause that. And start reading. Oh, boy. So, oh, Lord. God. I, mm. Have my little highlight out, my little pen out. I'm like, oh, this is great. Now go back to it. Now I praise God for that. Because the Bible says in Psalm 145 that we should praise with understanding. The more you understand, the more you want to praise. And the more you praise, the more you understand. And the more you understand, the more you praise. That's a good cycle that you and I want to get in. But it doesn't happen in general corporate worship. Everybody say personal worship. Tell your neighbor you need your own time. You want to stay lit. It was May 31st, May 31st, a few weeks ago, 
And I was praising worship God early in the morning and um, praying for my wife, praying for my children at the moment. And um, I, as I was spending time with God, and I said, Lord, I, I want my children to be on the same level as I am. In other words, I don't want my children lagging behind the things of the spirit. As a parent, you should never want to be way out here and your children way back there. That's not right. I said, Lord, I want my children. And I know they all uh, have good children. Our Lord bless us with good children. But I begin to understand, good is not enough. Good isn't enough. And so he moved me. He said, give him a challenge. He gave me instructions. Give, me, give him a challenge. He said, take the next 30 days. So all of June, he said, make sure they get up and they, they take. See, because what I noticed, because they all pray and praise the Lord at different times. You know, they, whenever they get around to it, he said, that's not going to work. Because you get all in the social media and you get all in all, all the stuff. Before you know it, you've not spent any time with God. He said, make them, when they get up, take the first 30 minutes before they do a touch anything else and spend it with God. He said, and make them start in praise and worship. So I mandated they take the first 10 minutes of that 30 minutes and you praise God, I said, actively. That was their, that's what their command. Do it actively, not sitting there listening to praise and worship. And I told, you know, I didn't tell them this, but I was thinking, because they, you know, they like this, all this Christian rap. Christian rap is nice. But ain't no praise and worship in Christian rap. You got to get some songs that's going to glorify and magnify God and talk about him, not talk about how you in the trap and how you making it and all. No, I talk about praising the Lord. So they got to get up and take them first 10 minutes and you act. When I say actively praise the Lord, I mean you actively praising the Lord. Mandatory. Ten minutes in the word, or rather ten minutes in prayer, and then ten minutes in the word. That's, that's the challenge I call it 30 for 30. So 30 days, 30 minutes, boom. Mandatory. Now I can't tell you how, as a father, as a parent, how it makes us feel when we're uh, in the house and you hear three different They singing, boy, they going for it. And then praying in tongues. Why? Because I want them lit. I don't, want, I don't want mommy and me, we lit, and the kids sober. That ain't going to work. If we all going to be on the same page, we all need to be lit. Mandatory. <laughs> I'm looking at y'all, boy. Y'all looking like, they crazy. Lit. Just lit. Personal praise and worship. You need your free form worship. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to lay out, lay out. You want to just run? 
run. You need a, a personal worship where God is the audience, period. Just you and God, he's your audience, period. Psalm number nine, verse one and two. Throw it on the screen for me, please. Y'all don't have time to turn these, these, just write this down. Psalm number nine, verse one and two. I will praise your Lord with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous, marvelous works. Verse two, please. Verse two. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, yes. O Most High. So praise got to come from the heart. From your heart. Psalm number 13, verse five and six. Psalm 13, verse five and six says, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Verse six. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in your personal worship. Isaiah 42, verse 9 and 10. Watch this. Isaiah 42, verse 9 and 10. Says, behold, y'all wrote this down? Behold, the former things have come to pass. And what things? New things. I declare before they spring forth, I tell you. Now watch this. He's, wait, go back. Stay there. Stay there. New things I declare. So God says, I'm going to speak new things to you. Now, when God speaks new things to you, here's your reaction. Verse 10. Verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song. So when you spend time with him personally worshiping God, he speaks new things to you. He speaks fresh things to you. And you come up with fresh things to him. Look, Wanda, you begin to write your own songs. You begin to minister out of your own heart. It's no form. I don't have, I don't know if it's the key of A, if it's the key of G, in the key of F, in the key of T. I don't know and I don't care. But it's a fresh song out of my heart because I got a fresh word from the Lord. How many of y'all know God still speaks today? He's not done talking. Well, God don't speak. You ain't listening. You're too busy jumping into everything else. But if you fix that, if you fix that, it's just a change. Make a change. Just switch that. Give him your time. Matter of fact, make him priority. God, before I do anything, before I, before I put a morsel of food in my mouth, before I eat my breakfast. No, I wake up first thing I think about is eating. That's the problem. Your God has become your belly. You've been too hard, Pastor. No, I'm just trying to tell you how to stay lit. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fresh word, fresh songs. Everybody in this room ought to have fresh songs coming out of your spirit. Everyone in this room ought to have fresh songs come out of your heart. Notice he says here, singing. Go back to 1 Corinthians, or rather to Ephesians 2, verse 19. He says, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Making melody. That word uh, melody literally means make music. You can make music in your heart. You don't have to be skilled like Luke. You don't have to know how to play a thing. You can make, it's a melody. It's music in your heart. I can't sing. Make a joyful noise. 
Paulette, you make it hard for folk when you sing and they be like, oh, I don't sound like Paulette. It's like, you ain't got to sound like Paulette. You just, sing, just sound like you. You're making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Can I tell you how to do it? Look at 1 Corinthians 14 and verse uh, 15. 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. Watch this. Watch this. This is so good, Deacon Mac. Watch this. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing. Watch this. Sing. With the Spirit and I will also sing with understanding. I can sing in the Spirit. I can make melody by singing in the Spirit. What that mean? I don't know. He said, I don't, this, this ain't understanding. This ain't understanding. This is in the spirit. Now, I'll sing understanding too. Lord, I love you. You are my God. You are worthy of all my praise. But I can also sing with the spirit. Many of y'all never do that. Many of you never ever do that. Because it sounds weird to you. It sounds weird. Have you ever seen a drunk man? You ever seen some, some girl high? They don't sound weird to you? And remember, you used to think that was fun. You used to think that was fun to be high and drunk. So don't get over here and be saved. And not use a ditty and all. You just, I'll never do that. Look at you. So fix that. Now, it'll keep you lit. Because in this same chapter, you look down around around verse 4, and verse 4 says, when you, when you speak in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself. So if I sing in a tongue, now if I can speak in a tongue and edify myself, what happens when I sing in a tongue? I'm lit, lit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can never be off key because you're the only one singing. You're the only one singing. You go, and some of y'all, you know how to harmonize with yourself. I don't know how you do it, but you can harmonize with yourself. You have two notes come at the same time. All right, let me keep going. Let me keep going. My time is shrinking. Shrunken here. Number one, public exhortation. Number two, personal worship. Number three, it says in verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So number three is constant gratitude. Yes. Notice it says here, giving thanks always for all things. Yes. Giving thanks always. He's telling you how to stay lit here, Lamika. Is, he said, always thank me. Yes. Yes. Giving thanks always for all things. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Glory to God. Thank you for my food, Lord. Lord, that, that food was good last night. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the thank you for the rice. Thank you for the macaroni and cheese. Thank you for the cornbread. Thank you for them whole cakes, Lord. That was, that was a, 
Thank you for that fried chicken, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for shata. Thank you for the, the turkey wings and the yellow rice and the. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Thank you for the shoes on my feet. Thank you for the food on my table. Thank you for the breath I, I breathe. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for everything. I mean, he says giving thanks always for all things. See, when you get a, a, a constant gratitude going on, you are staying connected to God. Always. All right. <laughs> Let me help somebody here. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So give thanks always for all things. Then we read, in everything give thanks. Now here's the question for the religious folk. Or the statement. Even thank God for the bad. How many of y'all have heard that? They say, even thank God for the bad. All right. Now let me ask you a question. Y'all ever heard it before? Yes. So the question that I have for you, should I thank God even for the bad things? All right. Let me ask, let me, let's help you with this. If Deacon Mac gives me $1,000, should I thank Minister Jeff? Who should I thank? I should thank Deacon Mac. So if the bad didn't come from God, why would I thank God for the bad? That's stupid going to seed. And yet religious folk would tell you, thank God even for the bad stuff. That implies that the bad stuff came from him. All he does is good. Matter of fact, I can give you that in scripture here. I can give you that in scripture. Look, look, at, look at Psalm 72 and verse 18. Psalm 72, verse 18, which says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. So God only does good things. Psalm number 106, verse 1. Psalm 106, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, for he is what? Good for his mercy endures forever. James 1.17 says this. Every good and every perfect gift. Come on. It's from above and comes down from the father of lights. With whom, with whom, with whom, with whom there is no variation changing or shout. So every good gift comes from him. He doesn't change and give you bad gifts. So don't thank God for bad things. He's not the source of the bad things. Now, if I'm mature, I can praise him in the bad things. I'm not praising him for it, but I can praise him in spite of it. Oh my God. God, this ain't you, but I'm still gonna give you praise. Because in the midst of this, you are still good and your mercy endures forever. It's because of your mercies I am not consumed. Your compassions, they fail not. Great is your faithfulness unto me, O oh Lord, my God. 
Hallelujah. 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 So that means when it's good, I give God thanks. When it's bad, I give God thanks. When everything's great, I give God thanks. When all hell's breaking loose, I still give God thanks. Because I need to stay lit in the midst of all that. Because if when those things come, I'm not lit, I'm in trouble. That was, that's what was happening deep. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples. He told them, he said, you guys watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. What happened? They didn't pray. So when the, when the trouble came, they weren't lit. They took off. All right, last one. Last one. What was number one? Number two. Number three. All right, number four. It says here in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's still part of it. People like to take that submitting and make it part of verse 22, but it's not. It's submitting to one another in the fear of God. He's still explaining how to stay lit. If he was changing, it would have started out by saying, submit yourselves. But because it said submitting, it's still part of the phrase above. Got it? So number one was public exhortation. Number two, personal worship. Number three, number four is continuous accountability. Submitting yourselves, submitting to one another in the fear of God this is accountability. Why is that important? Because when you're around other people and you're accountable, they can see if and when your high is wearing off. You get around the right folks, Mother Garrett, they know, okay, hey, what's up? They're watching you, they're around you, they're they used to you, they know, hey, Hey, what's, what's happening? You were high last month. You were lit last month. You were lit right after the conference. Camp meeting, you was high as a kite. When you got your miracle manifestation last month, you were high. Come on now, you ain't never checked anybody like that? So, you and I can tell with each other. You judging. We're not judging. I'm not talking about whether you saved or not. I'm talking about you being lit. Right? Come on. You, you can tell when somebody's lit, right? I'm, I'm talking about natural. I ain't talking about holy. I'm talking about natural. You can tell when somebody's lit. You just kind of, eyes look a little different. Speech, a little different. They walk a little different. They act a little different. They, 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 they can be real hyper. A real slow down. Depending on what they're taking. And then you can tell when they back to themselves. As you look at him saying, hey, bro, you were lit yesterday. 
as believers, as believers, is part of our duty. To be lit checkers. I mean, if you love somebody. The check, hey, you still on fire? You still running for Jesus? Hallelujah. My wife got so overjoyed, she finally heard a song, song I've sung, you know, known in my whole life, Elder Baker, called I'm Running For My Life. Not the Hezekiah version, the, the old, I'm running for my life, I'm running for my life, I'm running for my life. Any of y'all Pentecostal folk know that? Running for my life, if anybody asks you, what's the matter with me? Just tell them I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. I got Jesus on my side, I'm running for my life. Eternal life. That's we used to sing that. We can sing that with a good hour, man. My wife, she finally heard that. She was like, oh my God, that's the song. That's the jam. <laughs> if anybody asks you, what's the matter with me? What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? They save. Running for their life. Saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, got Jesus on their side. That's what's the matter. How come you don't act like us? Because I'm saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. How come you don't cuss no more? Because I'm saved and I'm sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. How come you don't hang out and drink and cuss and smoke with us no more? Because I'm saved and sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. How come you don't fight me the way you used to fight me? Because I'm saved and I'm sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. How come you always have joy when all this mess going on? Because I'm saved and I'm sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and I'm fire baptized. I got Jesus on my side. I'm running for my life. You ain't worried about what's going on in America? No, I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. See, what are you saying? I'm lit. How do you know when you lost your lit? When you start worrying? People who lit ain't worried about nothing. You think you ever seen a person drunk worried about something? People high, they ain't worried about a thing. Everything is good. Everything is good. Lit folk don't have no enemies. Hey, what up, bruh? All of a sudden, you start carrying grudges. Your high wore off. Start getting offended. You'll come off your high. Depression. Your high wore off. You ain't lit. Not excited about Jesus. You're not lit. You don't want to be found with your lamps 
burned out. Because the bridegroom comes at an hour when you least expect it. Jesus is coming soon. My wife one day, out of her prayer time, she talked about, well, you had a dream. Was that what it was? About the Lord saying he's coming back. And when I finished my prayer time that morning, uh, as we got together and talked, and she told me about that. I said, wow, that's interesting because during that very time, the Lord took me to the book of Revelation and he pointed out to me three times where he said, behold, I come quickly. He had me highlight three times that day. Behold, I come quickly. She comes and tells me she had just dreamt the Lord telling her, tell the people I'm coming quickly. Y'all better hear me. You better hear me. God wouldn't, wouldn't give a prophetess that dream and speak to a prophet in the midst of his worship time at the same time if he had no plans of coming back really, really, really soon. He's coming back very quickly. We used to say it this way, don't let him catch you with your works undone. Don't let him catch you with your fire out. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't come for another 200 years. You don't want to go around life not lit. Life is just more fun, mom, when you're lit. Matter of fact, you're more pleasant. Next time you run into somebody unpleasant, tell them you need to get lit. You need to. I wish I wish you get lit. Because you're just more pleasant when you're lit. How do you stay lit, everybody? Give me number one. Very good, class. Let's do better this time. Number one. Number two. Number three. And number four. If you do these things, you'll stay lit. And I told you earlier, if you stay lit, you don't have to get lit. Stand on your feet. Let's pray. If you stay lit, you don't have to get lit. You don't need a revival if you stay lit. <laughs> you are the revival. Everywhere you go, you bring revival. That's good, Brother Jeff. I am the revival. I stay lit. Glory to God. My prayer is that you can't, that you can't ever get around me and not walk, around, walk away lit. Get a contact high. People ought to be getting a contact high around you. I know it's this way more powerful than y'all letting on. This is this is this is class A teaching right here, and y'all sitting there pretending like this is just nothing. Like oh, y'all already know this. God bless you. God bless you. Matter of fact, if you ain't all that smile or say nothing this whole message, that's because you ain't lit. You need to get lit. And then stay lit. Amen.
You know, God had us on a few weeks teaching on no more drifting. So here he's telling us how to stay lit. I just seem to think if God would tell us things like this over and over again, it's because he knows that people in the body are drifting and they're losing their light. They're losing their fire. And he doesn't want that. We can't afford it. I, I like the group I'm around. Because for the most part, y'all all just live most of, just most of the time. I, I like that. I like that. We come together anytime and we can just, you know, Turn up. What you know about that, Thomas? Turn up. He said, turn up. I remember back in, in the, uh, my earlier days, uh, my old church, in our kitchen there, uh, we had a gas stove. Some of y'all know about gas stoves and ovens. In the gas stove, you have a, you know, you're tied to the gas company through lines and so forth. But your gas stove, there's something called a pilot light. And uh, it'll be, I remember times we we about to have some kind of church event. There's a funeral they're cooking for. Or, Church anniversary, whatever they're cooking for, and they go there and get there and like, hey, the pilot light is out. How's the pilot light out? Oh, somebody didn't pay the gas bill or whatever. We just never called the company back. Whatever happened, I don't, I don't know whatever happened, but there was no pilot light. And they had to work hard to get that pilot light back on. But as long as the pilot light was, all, was on, you just walk up to the thing and turn it, and the, the whole oven and everything would light up. What he's telling us here is how to keep that pilot light on. Always stay lit. Always stay lit. Now, I'm not talking about that. I mean, you got to be bouncing off the walls all the time. I mean, you got to walk into work tomorrow. tomorrow. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord, everybody! I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that on the inside, <laughs> I ain't talking about that, Jasmine. I'm talking about being obnoxious and men. Talking about on the inside of you. Thank you, Lord, that whenever God needs to turn me on and use me, I'm ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Dear Father, today I come before you and we give thanks in this place. Uh, I thank you for your precious word that has come to uh, direct us. We understand, Lord, how valuable uh, the Holy Ghost is. He's a gift. The gift, the gift. Jesus promised to send the comfort of the Holy Ghost to us. He said he would not leave us comfort, comfortless. But he sent the gift of the Holy Ghost to us. We receive him. And God, we don't ever want to despise or neglect uh, this wonderful gift of salvation, this wonderful gift of righteousness, or this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost that we have received. I'm praying for each and every one of these, your precious people, those here, those watching online, those who are watching the future, that God, that Lord, as a church, will be stirred up, stirred up, God, about the things of the Spirit, that, Lord, our lives will be about your things as opposed to our things, that we'll be in hot pursuit of you 
and what pleases you and what brings you glory and what brings you joy as opposed to ourselves. And Father, knowing that if we do that, you'll keep us uh, high. <laughs> Hallelujah. Never have to come down. That we'll begin to enjoy life to the full, till it overflows. I thank you, Father, that your people, that we put into practice the th four things we've learned today, that we don't wait to some other time in the distant future to say, okay, I better start that. But no, we start today making sure we are exhorting each other, Lord, each and every day. Making sure, Father, that, Lord, we are in our personal worship and praise time, giving you honor and giving you glory. Thank you, make, making sure they're always giving you thanks in everything and for all things that you do for us, that we always give you glory. That, Father, that we remain accountable to each other. Your word says, Father, that two are better than one. For if one falls, the other can pick him up. Your word also says, Father, that iron sharpens iron. And a man will sharpen the countenance of his friend. Thank you for these friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord, sisters in the Lord that we can fellowship with, Lord, Lord, that will help us to stay sharp, stay alert, and stay lit and on fire for you all the time. And I pray, Father, that anybody, Lord, who today is not filled with the Holy Ghost, that they would take the opportunity to get filled with the Holy Ghost initially, even with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and that God, every one of us who have been filled like that, that Lord will every day spend the time going back to the filling station and being filled so that we're not running off fumes, but God, we're full, full. Where it says Stephen, Deacon Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. We want to be full of the Holy Ghost each and every day. So you can use us at any time. Thank you that we're blessed, strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man. We give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Put your hands together and give God a praise.